and it is ten past four. So we've all seen them, the e-scooters scooting around the uh, CBD in particular. They've grown in popularity, but they are leading to injuries. Just how many? Well, Associate Professor Mark Putland is Director of Emergency at the Royal Melbourne Hospital, and he's been having a look at this. Hi, Professor. G'day. How are you, Mary? Hi. What have you found? Uh, well, look, we're certainly seeing... Uh, look, these are an everyday occurrence for us now at the Royal Melbourne, and I think that's just one inner-city hospital, so I'm sure they're being seen elsewhere around town. Uh, I, I, we've seen hundreds now in the last, just in the last few months. Um, they're really... I mean, I, I love... Uh, the idea of the convenience of it, and I, I'm an ex-motorcycle rider, so I can understand uh, why people might like the idea of zooming around. But the fact is we're seeing a great deal of injuries, and these are not minor falls off, scraped elbow, scraped knees. These are really mm. serious life-changing injuries. Well, I believe you've seen a really big jump uh, mm. in recent years. Can you quantify that? I think. Well, I think we're probably quoting 325% since... Uh, early 2020, I think that might be the number we're talking about. And I mean, that's... Look, a that's, 325% that's a increase, so a, a yep. tripling. So it's triple and a bit, triple and triple a bit, bit. And, um, uh, which which coincides with, you know, with these devices going from a, a niche little thing that someone might build in their backyard to uh, something that's widely available, swipe your credit card and away you go. So that's... That's a huge number in a huge jump in the number of people admitted to hospital. That's not even counting the number of presentations you might have. That's right. It's a huge jump in the number of people who are, you know, having are out of the workforce or having their lives really damaged and changed by injuries. And it's a huge jump uh, in the amount of cost to the healthcare system and to and to the and to the economy generally. It's um, it's a yeah, it's a big jump. What sort of injuries are we talking about? Well, you think about how this, this, the sort of geometry of a scooter, that front wheel, um, you lose control of that front wheel, you tend to go straight face forward over the front of it. And so the thing that hits the ground um, is often face, lips, teeth, noses, um, brain, um, or both your wrists. So we're seeing really nasty, we're seeing significant concussions and brain injuries. We're seeing really like nasty, life-changing cosmetic injuries. We're seeing people with all of their teeth knocked out. Um, oh. Broken jaws, um, bilateral broken wrists. You, you can imagine once, once both your wrists are broken, it's a pretty undignified business for the next few weeks trying to work out Absolutely. who's going to wipe you. And what's up. the sort of uh, age profile of um, uh, these injuries? Yep. It certainly look it tends towards the younger people. Um, uh, so we see a lot. We don't, we only see people um, sort of 17 and over here or 16 and over here at the Royal Melbourne. So I'm sure that the colleagues down at the kids' hospital are seeing teenagers, I would think, as well, because um, I've seen plenty of school students hooning around on these. But it tends to be younger adults up to and probably peaking around the 30 and 40 mark. We're seeing um, over the course of the day, we see the risk of injury goes up pretty linearly um, the later in the day it gets, and, and that's almost certainly correlates with alcohol um, consumption over the course of the day. So the people who are riding home from the pub or from a party are much worse uh, risk than the people who are perhaps uh, you know, riding down to work in the morning on one. Um, and, and it's often that, that, that younger, you know, the 20-year-olds aren't perhaps doing that quite as much as the 30 and 40-year-olds. Mm. So how does it compare with numbers and and, and, uh, and and extent of injuries for cyclists and motorcycle riders? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a different range of injuries. Um, and compared, it, the, the trick to trying to work that out is often about what's the denominator. So how many people are out there riding bikes and motorcycles compared to how many are getting injured? There's no doubt motorcycles are pretty dangerous business. Um, but motorcyclists uh, generally, I mean, they're generally um, well-equipped, wearing good equipment, um, and they they usually put some effort into learning how to ride a motorbike. They've had to learn... They've had to get a licence. They put training in before they can um, go up in speed and size and so forth. And they're insured. They've paid a good deal of motor registration, so they've paid money into the system that pays for healthcare they need. And cyclists um, don't have that insurance factor, and they don't wear a lot of protection, but they do wear helmets, and they do also... If you're going to ride a bike at 20 kilometres an hour... Uh, for any length of time, you need to have put in a lot of training to be able to do that. It takes it takes time to be able to ride a bike at high speed for a long period of time. And by by the time you've learned to do that, you've learned how to do it uh, with a degree of safety, uh, with road awareness and how to recover from little bumps and so forth. And uh, Whereas, of course, you can jump on a scooter and you're at 20 kilometres an hour in a moment and you can sustain that speed for any length of time until you hit a rock. Associate Professor Mark Putland is talking about a tripling and a bit of injuries we've seen in just the Royal Melbourne Hospital since the beginning of this year. Um, this on text, are pedestrians being hit by scooters included in this data? Um, have you seen many of those? Yeah, so they're not included in the data, but we do see that. Um, uh, we, not as often as we're seeing people injured themselves, but uh, uh, I could understand why someone might text that. I mean, it is one of the... The risks with them, of course, is that they're pretty silent um, and there's this grey area about are they meant to be on the road or on the footpath and um, the pedestrian, you know, people are then riding on the footpath on these things and then certainly pedestrians are at risk and, and particularly vulnerable, you know, vulnerable pedestrians. So small children and uh, elderly people are going to be the ones who are most at risk. Yeah. And as I say, this is just one hospital and, and you mentioned that as well. Are you talking with your colleagues across the hospitals as, as to this sort of growing uh, sector of, of injuries and patients? And are you making any representations to government on any recommendations you'd like to see? Look, we are. There's there's a lot of work being done. I think some colleagues from even as far away as Darwin are, are I think, publishing shortly on, on this because they're finding the same thing up there. Uh, but um, So it's Australia-wide people are interested in this. We're going to be talking... Uh, Victorian men's divisions are talking to... Um, the injury surveillance unit, which is a, which is a, a monitoring unit, sort of an, uh, operates out of Monash University that keeps an eye on all the injuries that occur in Victoria and sort of what patterns there are evolving, and they're looking at whether they can make this something they monitor for specifically. Because that's the trouble. Until you until you lay, until you create a data label for a new thing, it's hard to keep track of of it. You, you, I might know how many uh, patients I've seen, but it's hard to look at. You know the data from 80,000 presentations and pick out the e-scooter injuries unless we're labelling those injuries as such. So that's something we'd like to see. I think getting good data is the first step in making any public health change. Kevin from RD picked up on something you said, and I did as well, and I need to ask, uh, why are you an ex-motorcycle rider, Mark Patrick? <laughs> uh, look, I loved motorcycle riding, um, but a few things happened at once. I was uh, I was working uh, in trauma at the, at the Alfred Hospital as a senior trainee, uh, my second son had just been born. Um, I was looking at him and my first son and thinking about what they were going to do as soon as they were old enough. If they, it was, was probably follow whatever example I set. And uh, and then a young man came in um, uh, uh, with his right leg in a plastic bag um, because he'd clipped a, a car on the way past it on the freeway. Mm-hmm. 
lane splitting and the uh, and uh, and I just looked at all of that together and just thought, oh, it's probably time to hang up the boots. Yes, it isn't much more um uh isn't much more compelling than a newborn's face is there um, when no. it comes to your life and i'm i have to ask mutt putland um you're a director of emergency at the royal melbourne hospital we've been told that the covid wave is over what's happening <laughs> in terms of uh, the strain on hospitals that you've seen there has been a little uh, look. There's been a little easing in the last uh, in the last week, probably. We've uh, it's been great seeing a number of admitted patients come down a little bit. We've been able to flip one of our COVID wards back to a, a regular ward, um, which uh, which we do are doing up and down all the time in the last few years. But it just that that change looked promising to us. Um, it's, it, it has meant that we took a little bit more capacity. We're getting ambulances unloaded a little bit faster, getting patients uh, in through the door a little bit more efficiently, which is some relief. It's still pretty tough going across the Victorian hospital system and I think all around Australia it's all pretty tough going um, and certainly you shouldn't be coming to hospital if you don't need to be at hospital but it is a, it, it, it's looking a bit better so that's good and we're really looking forward to seeing a really deep trough following the wave we've just had the, the trouble with this disease though is that I think you know we, we there'll be another wave and another wave and, and we're, it's, it's not as if uh, we or, or we hope when the first wave went away that might be it, and then the second wave we thought that might be it. Well, clearly it's not going to be it, and we're going to be having to find ways to manage this for a while yet. But we're getting a bit of relief at the moment. Yeah, well, on behalf of all the listeners, I'm sure we're wishing you all the luck and hopefully a little bit of rest in that deep trough. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Mary, for having me. Cheers. That's Associate Professor Mark Putland, Director of Emergency at the Royal Melbourne Hospital, and you have been texting... Uh, quite vociferously about e-scooters and I will get to that. Uh, that message though is wear a helmet and scoot responsibly, that's for sure. Anna from Hampton has uh, called in about e-scooters as well. Hi Anna, what what have you seen? Oh hi, I was literally just listening to your interview then and I'm driving home from the city and a person on a scooter came from my left and just went diagonally across me and through an intersection with oncoming traffic. Oh, my goodness. And what happened? I mean, it was... Well, she got... The lights had just turned green, so she was sort of front-running the traffic lights. But it was just a pretty, um, like, incredibly dangerous, and I was just really surprised. So it was just sort of an anecdote to just sort of demonstrate. Mm. So so you, you had to really put on the brakes for that? Well, I was only just... I was, I was driving, but mm. at quite a slow speed, so I didn't have to slam the brakes on, but it was super dangerous on her part. Yeah, Anna, thank you for calling in. And, um, yeah, that's scary, isn't it? And I guess it really is just a sober reminder. If you find it fun and convenient to get around, just do take care and please, everyone, look out on the roads. Uh, We will be talking.